0: Hey world, welcome back to the Hot Topics episode of The Shape of a Star podcast. Well, it's not really back for the episode, it is a Hot Topics episode. You get it, you're here for it. Point is, today we have one of the hottest people on the internet these days um, spreading knowledge around sharing how nature isn't horrifying, despite how I feel and think. But yeah, everyone, you came because you clicked the title and you saw it, but here is... Fossil Daddy!
1: Hello, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, how are you? I'm great. Alright, so because I fully believe people introduce themselves better than I can, because you know yourself better than me, tell the world about you.
1: Okay, well my name is Fossil Daddy, and I am a gay, fossil-hunting, Pokemon, Legend of Zelda uh, fanatic, I guess. <laughs> oh, and world traveler
0: from Boston. True. Yeah, a t- world traveler from Boston makes total uh-huh. total sense. So, you're known as Fossil Daddy throughout the internet. What inspired uh-huh. you to become a daddy?
1: Um a daddy or a fossil daddy?
0: The daddy part of Fossil Daddy. So, yes. Uh
1: probably because I identify as a dom top. <laughs> Um, and you know, like, even though I have those dad-like tendencies, I can also be a daddy.
0: You heard it here first, people. Never have to ponder again. No. Okay. So, because you're known to the world as Fossil Daddy, and people follow you for every different reason on Earth, because if you read your comments, I don't know if you ever read your comments, because there's so many of them.
1: But Um, I do skim through them. Usually I'm kind of like browsing for like creationists that I've triggered because that gives me some satisfaction. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I do. I do uh, look through my comments somewhat frequently. I, I don't have the time to respond to all of them. But, you know, the ones that matter, I try to like respond
0: to, you know, and that's still how I'm shocked that you ended up here. I never thought I'd get through to you because of all the people that are commenting and all the fans. So, Well, Thanks. I am
1: also making a greater effort to, like, respond to people via DMs, especially if they're, like, legitimate questions and not, um thirst traps know, just like, thir- yeah, yeah, or just, like, plain thirst, because, you know, like, that's a dime a dozen.
0: For people like you, yes, not all of us. Um, <laughs> okay, so did you plan on being such a niche on the internet when you were, like, setting out the you know, world?
1: Honestly, like, no. So, like, um, when I first started my Instagram account, I didn't even go by Fossil Daddy. I went by another name called Bayou Chepi, which is my indigenous name, um, which means Swamp Fairy, which, uh, you know, honestly, really pretty yeah. accurate. I mean,
0: remember. um,
1: yeah. So like, I, I went by that and, you know, like I was just posting things that I liked. I wasn't necessarily posting a lot about, like, I wasn't posting a lot of selfies because you know, like I, I didn't really have that confidence quite yet. I think I created my Instagram, what, 2013. Um, and I was posting primarily just fossils that I was finding. And um, what I found is that while I did attract a crowd that was interested in the fossils, but it was also a really conservative crowd. It was like primarily like old white people that were following me. Um, And, you know, some of the comments that I would get, even though my posts were not political at all, like had some like political like tone to them, like, you know, um, I remember I posted like a fossil dinosaur footprint and someone was just like, oh, and pretty soon with the environmentalists coming after you, like, you're not going to be able to get these thanks Obama. And you know, like, here I am, an environmentalist. <laughs> um, so like, I, I, I knew I kind of needed to come out somewhat again. And I like took more photos of myself and I was being like louder and prouder and gayer. Um, And, you know, like uh, I, at first I was getting a lot of people unfollowing me. I think I had like a following of about 3000 and then it went very, it went far down to like 1400, but then the algorithm did its thing and started showing my content to the right people. And I started to kind of like climb very, very slowly, but it wasn't until like 2020 that I really took off.
0: Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. I actually saw you through TikTok. For, for yeah, that. so I
1: think it's when I joined TikTok. That's when everything else started to explode.
2: Yeah,
0: that makes sense. And if anyone's wondering, as of right now, by the way, everyone, it is August 24th, 2000, 2022. Wow, okay, you get it, people. I just like to say, because you never know with the Hot Topics episode when you're going to go out. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh. But yeah, you have 43.2 <coughs> thousand followers.
1: Yeah, and uh, I just got the... Like 10,000 new ones over the last uh, two weeks. So that's been exciting.
0: Wow, look at that, people. We are building an empire. Oh, wait, do we have a fandom name?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, so my fandom uh, refers to themselves as my Pebble Bottoms.
0: <laughs> I don't know how I missed that, but. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah. So that's why I occasionally I'm like, hey, Pebble Bottoms. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Okay, so people can't see you right now, you know, because this is a podcast. So let's clear it up that you can see them because you do, in fact, have both eyes. I do have both eyes, yes. Yes, because you're still getting, like, questions like, oh, is not the real eye? Is it the fake eye? Okay, so
1: please explain what happened again. Okay, so I was driving down 495 um, in Massachusetts, and a pebble, not a pebble bottom, but a pebble hit my windshield and um it just kind of like shattered and the glass like from the windshield pierced my eye as i was driving because i was like granted i was going way faster than i had any right to go i think i was going like 95 and it's like 65 (laughs) limit um so like when the pebble hit my windshield i think just the speed i was going at like that cubed glass just like got my eye and a piece of it just pierced my eye so i had to go to the hospital they had to extract the glass from my eye um and then i had to keep it covered for months because uh they did not want like any sunlight getting in because my eyes could like open and retract and open and therefore reopen the wound and that wound reopened like three times So, you know, like, I just had a bloody eye for eight months. Um, And then I had to wear corrective glasses for about three months after that. But, yeah, no glass eye. I still have two very real eyes that are somewhat functional.
0: Okay. Actually, this happened on a field trip when I was – we were actually heading to the museum. Which one? I forgot. We were in New York at the time. But there were dinosaurs that I do remember. I oh, and... was at the
1: Natural History Museum of New York or the American Natural History Museum.
0: I don't remember. I'll be honest. Because I'm
1: there once a month.
0: Oh, okay. Always travel and see people. Yeah. But... So
1: actually, I do work for the Paleontological Society of New York, and we meet there at least once a month, usually on a Sunday.
0: Oh, okay. Huh. No, that Sunday was a surprising choice when you said it. I was like, oh, okay. Because most people are trying to get out and avoid rush hour.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, they're all old people and they decided Sunday works best for them. So I have to abide by that.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, that was what I was saying. Like on the bus, like we were on, we were heading back from the trip. And uh, we were behind a garbage truck and something flew off the garbage truck and went through the bus window and got yikes. the kid sitting in front's eye.
1: Oh no. Yeah. That, it was not fun.
0: No. Yeah. He, not for me anyway. He never did recover vision, but he did not have to cover his eye. Uh, his, no one ever knew. Like I found out like in eighth grade, that was a first grade trip and I found out in eighth grade.
1: Right. So I think I had to cover my eye because there was a chance that I was going to recover my vision and mind you, I did recover my vision, but it's not great. Like, uh, so the eye twitches pretty often unless I wear contacts or glasses um and it also shakes a lot now too like when it's exposed to light too much
0: okay um is this your right or left eye
1: my right eye okay r.i.p left eye
0: (laughs) so yeah people be mindful if you ever find find fossil daddy out in public (laughs) or the woods or whatnot uh no i have a lot of friends who are deaf in one ear too so it's always like oh so am i Oh, is it? Yep. Also? So I'm
1: deaf in my left ear. Hmm.
0: Well, that's why I only have an earpiece in this ear. Yeah, for those who can't see, which is, I guess, everyone. But <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, actually, no, yeah, it's oh, everyone I know that has only one ear of hearing. It's their left ear that went. But yeah, okay. So fossil daddy does not wear an eye patch nonstop. It was medical and. Now the world can see your face again. Indeed. In all its glory. So, because it's in your name, we gotta ask, what got you in the fossils in the first place?
1: Uh, Pokemon, actually. Oh. Yeah, it all started back in 1999. I got my copy of Pokemon Blue for Christmas, and I played it non-stop. Um, And, you know, like, there was a particular section where you travel through Mount Moon. You uh, battle the super nerd and basically steal his fossils. Um, I picked the Helix Fossil because, like, you know, like, I was, like, really into dinosaurs. But, you know, like, this was also through a period of time where I was pretending that I wasn't into paleontology anymore. I was, like, too grown for that shit. Um, So I picked the Helix Fossil, not really understanding, like how that would spiral someday <laughs> um so anyway like you travel through the game you go to cinnabar island which took me way too long to get to because i didn't understand the concept of hm's i got me either HL- yeah <laughs> hm01 i didn't know i had to use it on a pokemon to use it like i i tried just using it in front of the grass by clicking on the hm not realizing i had to teach the move to a pokemon and it took me like a month to figure that out but anyway i picked the helix fossil And when I got to Cinnabar Island, um, I resurrected the Helix Fossil to a little Pokemon called Ammonite. And like immediately I knew, I was like, that's actually a real thing because I read a lot of paleontology books when I was six, (laughs) Um, which was only like six years ago at that time. Um, So, you know, like I I pulled out all those old paleontology books and I found the Ammonite you know, uh, species group. And, you know, I I was just like blown away that this little game that I was having fun playing, like actually did some of their research for the animals and were inspired by, by real life things. Um, so then of course Kabuto being based off of both the horseshoe crab and the trilobite combined, Um, I had to read all about the trilobites, and then I also had to read about Aerodactyl's inspiration, the pterosaurs, which are not dinosaurs, by the way, because they uh, do not have those psorischian or ornithischian hips, so therefore their hips don't lie, they are not dinosaurs. Um, So, uh, yeah, so, like, it just kind of snowballed from Pokemon Blue and just became a lifelong obsession as you can see by everything in my in my background, I've got a Mastodon poster, I've got a Geological Timeline poster, I've got framed fossils, like, from all over the place. So, uh, so yeah, uh, long story short, it was Pokemon and ammonite.
0: Wow. I'm happy it was a simple answer. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, some people are like, I saw a comet, and then they thought, now nah, you just like yeah, Pokemon. No, it, it was just Pokemon. It was Pokemon.
1: And a little bit of The Legend of Zelda. But um, not like not in a paleontological sense, but like The Legend of Zelda definitely made me want to go outside more and explore.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I had a joke. I lost it. No, wait, no. Helix Fossil. Comment. It's good for the algorithm, everyone. So comment on the social medias at the Shape of a Star podcast. We got a Twitter. We got an Insta. We got a TikTok. I'm horrible at the TikTok. So come at me. Mm -hmm. Comments are good for the algorithm, blah, blah,
1: blah. I'll give you some helix for this helix. Uh,
0: But, okay, so yeah, you also mentioned that a certain hip is what constitutes a dinosaur. So you have so many videos about what creatures are true dinosaurs and what are not. Is that the only thing that constitutes, like, this hip?
1: So uh, mainly it's the hips. So if they don't have the serischian or the ornithischian hip structure, then they are not dinosaurs. Um, and they also have to be in the archosaur family group, which crocodiles are also in the archosaur family group, but they do not have sauruscian or ornithischian hips, therefore they are not dinosaurs. But birds are, because they're in the archosaur group and also have those hip structures. So, But, you know, like an easy way that I like to tell people is that when you look at a reptile, where do you think, where do the legs come out of? They protrude from the side of the body on reptiles, don't they? Have you ever thought about that? So, like, Pretend I'm a I'm a crocodile. My legs come out this way. Mm-hmm. No, dinosaurs, their legs come directly under the body. Yeah. So that is the easiest way to tell the difference between a dinosaur and a non-dinosaurian when it comes to the archosaur reptiles. Huh. Which means marine reptiles like plesiosaur and ichthyosaur and mosasaur are also not dinosaurs because they don't have those hips. Yeah, so what are And they? their limbs protrude from... They are marine reptiles. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Classified as marine reptiles. Because their limbs, not legs, protrude from the side.
0: Yep, yeah, like little paddles. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. I think one of my favorite videos you ever made was how the megalodon is not real and we would know it by now. And
1: well I mean it's re- it was real but it's like it, it, it went extinct 3 million years ago. Um and if there was like a giant shark like swimming in the swimming along our shores we would know cuz there would have to be a a population large enough to sustain the population. Um secondly, megalodons were um shallow water sharks that lived right off the coast and they were warm water sharks. So like how like and if they could adapt to live in the deep sea where they're never seen, they wouldn't be megalodon anymore, you know? Like they would they would have to adapt really uh quickly um to to live a life in the deep sea unnoticed. And then we would also be finding their teeth because sharks leave uh lose their teeth constantly. Um, and then people argue too. That while the coelacanth was only recently rediscovered, it was rediscovered in 1938 when they basically had no technology. We have so much technology now. And not only that, um, the coelacanth was still being routinely fished up until that point by South Africans. The South Africans knew that coelacanth was still around, but Western scientists from Europe and America had never once witnessed it, you know? So, like... It was only rediscovered in in Western science, but South Africans knew that they existed. (laughs) And we knew that that, uh, giant squid existed, too, because their bodies washed up on the shore. We may not have seen them in the wild up until recently, but they still routinely wash up on the beaches dead, so... And then we also find signs, like, on sperm whales of, you know, their interactions. We would be finding signs of megalodon interactions pretty frequently if they still existed. And we'd be finding teeth that are older than three million years old.
0: Also, I feel like we wouldn't live that close to the coast anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd
1: swallow you whole.
0: Yeah. No, nah, And not in the fun way. No, no.
1: Not in the fun way.
0: <laughs> uh. But, so... Wow, no, I'm just... That was fascinating. So where does one look for fossils, since fossils
2: So, you
1: know, the sedimentary, my dear Watson, you have to look in sedimentary rock. You will only find fossils in sedimentary rock deposits, such as limestone, shale, mudstone, and the like. You know, you're never going to find it in igneous stone. You're never going to find it in granite. Uh, I had this guy actually bring a boulder to me, which turned out to be granite, and he was... um convinced that it was a dinosaur egg. And I was like, you're not going to find a dinosaur egg on Cape Cod because Cape Cod is only about 5,000 years old. It was created during the last Ice Age 5,000 years ago. Dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago. So you're not going to find dinosaur eggs in the form of granite on Cape Cod. So, like, you know, I, I get that a lot, actually, though. People will find, like, this perfectly round... um rock and just assume it's an egg or they'll find an egg shaped rock and assume it's an egg and it's like nobody that's a rock or that's a concretion or a boulder um you know because like fossil eggs are very very seldom found full and complete anyway (laughs) usually when you do see them in the museums totally like rounded they were reconstructed because most of them have been flattened or like torn to pieces through the fossilization process
0: yeah that would make sense Mm-hmm. That would make a lot. I did not know Cape Cod was that young because Long Island was made during the last ice age, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So only about 5,000 years old. A lot of the East Coast is relatively young, especially in the Northeast or very, very old. So, like, it's one extreme or the other. So, in New England, particularly, um, a lot we did have like a lot of fossil record that existed at one time, but the last ice age completely destroyed all of those sedimentary deposits and washed it away uh, when the glaciers receded exposing some of the oldest rock known on earth uh therefore you will not find fossils and then and on the same token as the glaciers receded it also left a lot of sedimentary deposits creating new um new uh sedimentary rock formations therefore cape cod was created that way you know so like either tore uh existing sediments away and uh and then also uh, what's it called um Deposited new sedimentary deposits, therefore creating new land. You know, like it was one extreme or the other. So, like, it very, so it tore all of our fossil record in New England away and then also left new sediments.
0: Which is also like, that's interesting. You said that either everything's old or super young because everyone's always talking about the mountains, like the Appalachian mm-hmm. Mountains, I think, and how they're like older than God. Yeah. <laughs> and even though they're like half the size of the ones out west. And yes,
1: they are extremely old. They're some of the oldest uh, mountains in North America.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. Geography, geology, all that's fascinating if you can understand it. <laughs> Cuz yes, half the it words is. Have it lost is lost
1: already. So, like people uh, people ask me all the time like how can they get started fossil hunting and I mean, you know like my greatest advice is to learn basic geology. You don't necessarily have to become a geologist, but you have to know the basics. You at least mm-hmm. have to know Uh, the difference between igneous and sedimentary rock and metamorphic rock. Um, And then on top of that, you also have to know the age of the rock, which you can learn relatively easily with a Google search. Uh, Just learning how old the area you live in is is one thing. Um, But, you know, I think the best advice that I could give to people who want to start fossil hunting is to join a local rock group um, because they facilitate fossil dig field trips all the time for a small fee. And I think that small fee is like $15 a year. And then you have access to go on actual digs and actually learn where the fossils are near you and how to extract them. So like, that's really the best advice I have for people who
0: want to get started. Which also leads into my next question is that, so people have been excavating the world for like centuries now, not necessarily with all our excellent technology now, but- how come there's still more to discover? Is it just because we have the way to go deeper so, over that?
1: So first of all, the science of paleontology is still relatively brand new. Um, so the idea of deep time or geological time was actually um, theorized by a geologist in Scotland named James Hutton, and that was about 400 years ago. But his, geo- uh, his theory would not become uh, really accepted until a few hundred years later. Uh, so it was actually in Europe where paleontology started to become like a science. Before that, like collecting fossils was more of a hobby, but they didn't know what fossils were. They called them curiosities. Therefore, people would have literal curiosity cabinets, which is where we get the name curio cabinet, full of curiosities. Oh. And those curiosities were actually fossils. Uh, so in 1799, there was a little, a little, a little woman named Mary Anning, who was born in Lyme Regis, UK. And uh, she is called the Princess of Paleontology because she really, um, like in her lifetime in the early 1800s, as she was discovering fossils, she discovered the ichthyosaur and the plesiosaurs, respectively. Um, This was the time where paleontology was becoming a legitimate science. It was not a legitimate science until maybe the late 1700s and mind you uh because technology was very limited um we didn't really progress our knowledge in paleontology until about the 1950s and even then it was still very archaic um so like even in the 1990s i remember like paleontology is not what it is today so like it's still a very recent science um compared to like botany and other uh, animal biology or you know, other natural yeah. histories.
0: No, and that's super interesting to know, despite the fact it's one of the oldest things that are studied. Dichotomy, people. Go with it. <laughs> so we already mentioned the ocean, but like the ocean hasn't been explored is what people say all the time. I could be yeah. wrong. How much of the Earth do you think is actually left unexplored since we're not so, getting... Like,
1: yeah. So people say uh, it is true that 80% of oceans are relatively unexplored, but uh, I'd say about 99% of that 80% is all like open space. It's like vast, like people forget, like the oceans are not as full of life as like we like to think that they are. They are vast deserts, like devoid of life. For the the most part, you have to go either to the very deepest trenches or right along the coast to find life. But in a lot of that open space, there is absolutely, like, nothing but abyss. So that's why it's unexplored. It's not unexplored because, you know, like, we just can't get there. Uh, We do have sonar that can get there, and we know, like, the rock formations at the very bottom. But, like, in between, like, from where we are down to the bottom, like, there's really no... Uh, No reason to explore because it's
0: all empty. It's just water, you know, it does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. Because like, where are you getting nutrients? How are you building the ecosystem to like even sustain life like in the middle? Also, it's a lot of work to float. I don't care. if you Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: that's the only reason why we haven't explored 80% of the oceans is because, like, there is nothing to explore. And I think people, you know, people like to kind of romanticize the idea that they have not been explored and therefore anything could be there. But realistically, there's probably nothing because it's all vast openness.
0: Vast openness. I always think of, like, Finding Nemo, which I know is near the shore. But, you know, when they go out of the reef and they see, like, the vast ocean right there, I'm like, yeah. "Yeah." exactly.
1: You know, that's for the most part what most of the ocean is. Only there's not, like, that one barracuda, like, off in the distance, like, stalking you. There's, like, nothing out there.
0: (laughs) I would hope not, uh, honestly. Yeah, because, like,
1: most life is either going to be close to the surface or very close to the bottom. And in between, there's, like, nothing.
0: Yeah all those like snails that live in volcanoes. It's like stuff that could live like very old ways and share one yeah, day. exactly, It might be fascinating to know about, but I also have a huge fear of yeah. honestly everything. So <laughs> someone else can and, go figure uh, it out for me.
1: As for land, uh, land for the most part is fully explored, especially with satellites that we have now. I mean, there are still a few uh, remote areas that, uh, we as Westerners have not been to, but there are still indigenous tribes that have been left undisturbed and it should remain that way. Like the Seminoles, uh, off of India, they, uh, we know they exist, but we're not going there, <laughs> right, leave their populations alone. And then, you know, in the vastness of the rainforests, a few isolated tribes, which are now, you know, like coming into contact with people as we're chopping down their territory.
2: Yeah.
0: No, but I didn't know if there were like caves and stuff that we we possibly Oh could yeah, find. there
1: are there are definitely cave systems that um have very seldom been explored, but you know, like you're also not gonna find um fossils like most in natural caves because like most natural caves don't occur in sedimentary rock deposits uh you might like in pennsylvania or even in uh wales you might be able to go through mine shafts which were created through sedimentary deposits like coal shale and you'll find fossilized plants that way from the carboniferous period Uh, but in natural caves um very seldom will you find fossils like i think there's only a few caves that i know of where you can actually go and find fossils like Howe's Cave in uh, New York, but that was very much a mine in a quarry and thus became a cave, so man-made cave. Um, So, yeah. And that's all limestone.
0: So, yeah, people, we don't have to live in fear of monsters coming out of caves.
1: No. For the most part,
0: no. Maybe a few bears like me, but... (laughs) Uh... Oh, yeah, so... Speaking of you, we see you in excavation clothing like all the time. Do you have to like super dress up for the whole professional like presentation professor stuff? Um it it
1: depends. So like when I was in Wyoming, even though the um the air was relatively cool, we did have to like have hats on. We had to keep our bodies completely covered because we were in the mountains and sun like the radiation there from the sun was a, a bit more extreme than it would be here in new england because we're just a bit further up uh yeah. so even though that cool mountain air might be refreshing like your skin is gonna burn and mind you i don't burn that often i went to freaking the bahamas and the caribbean and i barely wore sunblock and never got a sunburn i went to wyoming you know a 63 degree weather and uh yeah my shoulders were peeling you know because i didn't keep them covered
0: you know that makes sense when I see all my friends go hiking in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, "How on earth are you guys?" I hate heat, people. Like, if it's not snow, I, it's too hot,
1: <laughs> I'm a walking. I'm a walking furnace, so I I agree. Like, I, I cannot wait for the fall. I the, so like I haven't done any fossil hunting uh, this summer because the heat has been so extreme. I mean. That's not true. I did go into Canada, but I had to go to Canada go, to go fossil hunting because it's like 30 degrees cooler than it is here in New England. <laughs> and it's um, not the system exactly Celsius.
0: The metric, yes, That's exactly. not metric. Is it a metric? Whatever. No, yeah, it's the metric system. Is it okay? I didn't know if temperature counted as metric. Wow, I screwed up my own joke, people. Go on, fossil daddy.
1: <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, like for speaking in Fahrenheit, where it's like 30 degrees cooler in Toronto normally than it is here. So uh, where it was 105 degrees here, it was like 75 degrees in Ontario, which was like perfect fossil hunting weather for me. But I can't wait for the fall. So I can just go fossil hunting more. And honestly, like I've been in kind of a depressive state in the last few weeks, because I haven't done a whole lot of fossil hunting. And, you know, like that's such a big part of my identity that it's like detrimental to my mental health, too.
0: Well, I hope that you get a chance soon because, yeah, no, mental health, important.
1: September's right around the corner. But also, it's been the hottest summer on record, therefore I haven't been able to get out. Also, we've had no rain at all this summer, which is unusual for New England. Uh, So, yeah. I think it rained once and only for like 30 minutes. So my grass is
0: dead. Oh, okay. And the fact you even have grass at all, and that's also cool, too. Uh, OK, so last of like this whole fossiling, I know mm. you're more than welcome to put up whatever you want in your mouth. But how on earth did <laughs> this even start as like a thing that people have to comment on and you have to like defend your honor so much?
1: You know, honestly, like I think it's because so I don't really have to defend my honor so much. But I, I, I did post a TikTok video where I was like deep throating a dinosaur bone and it stuck to the back of my throat. So, like, you know, first I'm showing off my deep-throating skills that I almost never get to use unless it's a fossil. Um, (laughs) But, you know, like, the science behind it is that bone is porous in nature. So, like, if you lick it, it will stick to your tongue or the back of your throat. So I was just kind of showing that off on TikTok. And then, you know, of course, like the white cre- <laughs> for some reason tiktok pushed that to all the white creationists and uh first of all i'm talking about fossils so that triggered them secondly i'm doing something very gay so that triggered them and then thirdly like deep throating so like save the children um so yeah like that just i think because uh, it got blown so out of pro- proportion by the religious right that it just became kind of a staple that of of mine on TikTok and people get a kick out of it now like the people who know know you know <laughs> and then those who don't know are just pleasantly surprised every time I do it
0: <laughs> oh no it's fascinating cuz i'm like what on earth is it now that but like i said you have the right you do you and yes you are defending your honor cuz you're defending your right go you yes. my right to deep throat old bones <laughs> So you are also a licensed wildlife rehabilitator. So for those who I know sure what am. that means, what does that mean?
2: Uh,
1: so that means that I am licensed in the state of Massachusetts to rehab injured wildlife. Um, I specialize in marine mammals and sea turtles, but I also work with like frogs and turtles and small little mammals like chipmunks and voles. Actually, I had a vole last week that I named Voldemort. Uh, oh. He just went back into the wild. Um and then also occasionally fox, deer. Uh, I have worked with the occasional bear. Um, but yeah, actually my license lapsed as of last month, so I do have to get that renewed. And to get that renewed, I have to go to Tufts Wildlife uh, Center and take another test. You have to do that like every ten years.
0: So. Wow, that's a long licensure. Life.
1: Yeah. So like a lot of people don't know this, but I got my start in the sciences. Uh, as a marine biologist, well, marine ecologist, really. But I was working with pinnipeds and sea uh, sea turtles. So pinnipeds meaning seals. Mm -hmm. Um, And in order for me to work at the natural, not the natural, what is it? The National Marine Life Center in Buzzards Bay on Cape Cod, I had to get my wildlife rehabilitation license. So, you know, like I went through them to get it. Um, And then, you know, like it's good for multiple years. So I've just been... You know, using the knowledge that I gained when I had to take that class to, you know, help the critters.
0: Aw, but also this makes sense how you know so much about the depths of the ocean and how, guys, it's dead space. Yes. It's or empty dead. space. So,
1: you know, like, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I had someone on TikTok recently be like, well, well, you're a geologist. Well, what would you know about the ocean? I was like, aha, I was also a marine ecologist. <laughs> i've worked around the water my entire adult life
0: also you live on a coastal area so
1: yeah and then also when i lived in
0: scotland like i'm surrounded by the coast you know right um so basically what's next everyone is astronomy a what a stro- oh, astronomy i almost said astrology did not mean that yeah I, yeah okay <laughs>
1: i thought that's what you did say so that's why i rolled my eyes no offense I like both. Oh, yeah. No, astronomy. Astronomy is a science. Astrology is a pseudoscience. A
0: social science, maybe, mm-hmm. at best?
1: So, it's funny because, like, somebody recently came up to me and they're like, you're a geologist, right? And I was like, yes. They're like, okay, can you tell me, like, which crystals are good luck? I was like, that's not geology. <laughs> I well, can't tell you what Rose Quartz is going to do.
0: <laughs> it's metaphysical properties, people. Just Google it. Yeah. It comes up. But... No, yeah. So you've conquered the deep ocean. You're in the mm-hmm. level of now, the level of now. You're on the surface level with the earth next to space. Yep. And you've conquered. Yep. Everything. I am
1: a rock, water type uh, typed gym leader for sure.
0: Ooh, that was a question later. It's good to know. Oh, uh, okay. well, you, <laughs> I don't know if it on. actually was. I should have made it a question later. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm a dual rock and water type for sure. I mean, I'm wearing a lifeguard tank top right now, I'm up, I'm by the water often. Yeah. I'm also a licensed certified lifeguard. Uh not practicing right now, but
0: hmm, that makes sense. I still you can't wear do the everything.
1: No, and yeah, you know, like I was doing it pretty actively and I was also like coaching swim team and teaching swim lessons, but you know, like my life has been getting busier as my professional work has been um picking up. And I like I started lifeguarding and teaching swim lessons and coaching like during the pandemic because i was getting bored and a lot of my scientific work was slowing down during the pandemic so it was something to do but now like all that is picking up again so i had to i had to cut those unfortunately
0: makes sense also you're lucky the fossils have been here forever they'll be here when this pandemic ends
1: yeah exactly exactly (laughs)
0: so you could take a moment to focus on the now i guess i don't know whatever people go with it okay so because you're a licensed, you, well, or recently a licensed wildlife rehabilitator. So does that mean you like go outside and like you seek wildlife to help, or it's more of just like you find a bird outside and you help it?
1: So like both, but mostly it's like either the, um, mass wildlife calling me, telling me that they have like an insured animal or it's a wildlife hospital that doesn't have room for a patient. And they you ask if I have space and I almost never say no. Um, like, okay, so like the one time I almost had to say no was when they had like a litter of coyotes because the mother got hit by a car. And you know, I was like, ah, do I really want coyotes in my house? <laughs> I have dogs and like frogs and turtles, but they were the cutest things. I could not say no. They lived Aww. in my garage for like a week until I transported them to a wildlife sanctuary in um, near Dartmouth. So yeah, they were adorable.
0: Were they loud?
1: They were pretty loud. They howled at night um and they got they let me know when they were hungry, and mind you, like I had to so like I'm very like anti fur when it comes to fashion, but to feed them, I had to dress in like a coyote fur so they would disassociate humans with like nursing. Yeah. Uh, So like, that's the only reason why I would keep furs and these furs have been passed down for like hundreds of years and they were given to the wildlife hospital for this specific reason. And then I inherited them when I started taking animals. And it is the only reason why I would wear fur. Um, Any other reason, like for vanity, I think is stupid. I'm just going to put it out there it's stupid. It is vain and cruel. But these are like, this was for wildlife rehabilitation purposes only. So I had to kind of, like, dress in the coyote skin just to kind of, like, feed them and uh, give them, like, bottles and pretend I'm giving them a nipple, you know, like, that kind of thing. So they would diso- dissociate human beings with, like, nursing and food.
0: So what we're hearing right now is that your fursona is a coyote.
1: A frog, if I were to have a fursona.
0: That's exactly how I say it. If I were to have a persona, <laughs> I'd be a meerkat. Yeah. Um.
2: <laughs> but
0: i've dabbled
1: i've dabbled but yeah frog i'd say because i have frogs like tattooed all over my body like i love frogs i love animals like even when i go fishing i don't go fishing with a hook and a line because a like, ponds don't, ponds and oceans don't need any more plastic lining. And then secondly, I don't like the idea of hooking a fish and potentially hurting it. So, like, I'd just rather go fishing with my bare hands and catch them and then let them go. I actually posted a story on Instagram today of me just catching a fish casually with my hands.
0: Yeah, I commented. And I was like, you are so brave.
1: It was just a pickerel. Pickerels are full of mucus, too. So, like, that was a slippery guy. Left my hands full of slime.
0: Yeah, no, um, we live on very opposite ends of comfort in nature. Like, you see that fish tank <laughs> behind me? Where, where's my arm? Yeah, right there. Yeah, I mean, um, I had to crawl
1: inside of a dead, rotting whale, so, like, there's, like, there's not a whole lot I wouldn't touch, you know? But why? Uh, because we had to determine what the cause of death was when it washed up on Nantucket.
0: You know, fair. Fair, fair, fair.
1: Yeah, so like I had to collect a few organs, and the only way to collect a few organs from a dead whale is to kind of crawl inside of it and cut it open. When you cut it organs? open that, so like when you cut it open that, like the gas of just the decay, like hitting your face, almost made me faint, but I still powered through it. <laughs> How big are the organs that you have to harvest? Um. So I only had to collect a, like a piece of the liver, so I didn't oh, have okay. to collect the whole organ. <laughs> uh, and then I also collected a piece of the heart, Uh, Because, like, we had no reason, we had no idea why this, like, seemingly healthy whale washed up and then refused to go back in the water. Uh, Because, like, it was a relatively small pilot whale, which isn't really a whale, but, like, a dolphin. But it was still big enough that I had to, like, kind of crawl inside of it. Um, But, yeah, like, no matter the attempts to put it back in the water and have it swim away safely, it kept beaching itself. So we had to determine, like, why is this happening? The Sometimes you get to collect a few organs, <laughs> and I still don't have an answer as to why that particular specimen died. Because after I uh, submitted the samples, I didn't really hear anything back, and that happens frequently. They get their answer and don't share it with you know the people doing the dirty work,
0: yeah. But I'm gonna stick by my theory. I don't know if you heard it. No, I didn't. The megalodon,
1: I know, no, it wasn't injured. It was very, very, very seemingly healthy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if it if it did die due to injury, we wouldn't have had to have collected samples.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. So, okay, because you obtained your licensure as a wildlife rehabilitator. Oh, yeah, you already said you go take a test at like Darth, Darth Mouth, Dartmouth, Dartmouth,
1: Dartmouth. So this one is in Grafton. It's Tufts University or Tufts oh. Wildlife sanctuary or wildlife hospital and it's through tufts university
0: i almost worked at which
1: Tufts. Is, oh really yeah yeah their wildlife hospital is in right up 495
0: on uh in grafton nice so another thing people really don't know about you is that you're an artist
1: yeah yeah so before um before i went into the sciences i wanted to be an animator and i went to massachusetts uh college of art and design so mass art and I was studying illustration and animation.
0: No, I actually used to want to be an artist too, but then I realized, you know, I can do simple art. I don't have the spark of yeah. behind it. So, so
1: I wish I had the time to really pursue my art a little bit. So I had like an active comic uh, web comic that I had for like ten years. It really d- it had developed kind of a following too. It was called Mittens and Sauerkraut. Um, and I kind of, like, merged a lot of my, like, passions between science and mythology and kind of merged it into one. And, you know, that's something that I've been toying with, like, you know, like, revamping, like, 10 years later, as my skills have only developed.
0: Yeah, it's still Googleable, people. Last updated September 9th, 2007. So its anniversary is about to come up on its last Oh, update. shit, you found Mittens and Sauerkraut? I just Googled mittens and sauerkraut. I spelled sauerkraut wrong. Google how to fix it. Oh, my. I didn't know that there was still... Place like place in the normal city of Brockton, Massachusetts. The situation... Where I was born. The situation is concerned. The five main characters this is anything but normal. Comic yeah. is updated okay. yeah, every it's Wednesday. It's kind of
1: cringy. It is kind of cringy because it's like, what, 20 years old? Oh, my God. You're right. It's old.
0: 15. We could say 15.
1: 15. Uh, round up to the nearest 10th. Oh, wait, one. no, because you had
0: it going. That's the last time it was updated it was 15 years ago. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I started that when I was in high school, which was over 20 years ago. <laughs> wow. Look at yeah, this people. So, uh, so I, I I need to, like, I, I want to create, like, a newer version of that. It had pretty,
0: it had a devout following on MySpace. <laughs> so, wait, hold up, everyone. Did I just find a fossil? A fossil daddy you
1: sure did you uh, one of my earliest like internet tracks
0: oh look at that i did something i can do that's interesting (laughs) but yeah so how did you learn to draw was were you like super into it before you went to school for i was
1: I, i was always really into it so like it all started when i watched this little anime movie called unico or the fantastic adventures of unico um, and I wanted to learn how to draw Unico. Uh, so I drew him and uh, I, I had to have been like three. And I, I think my aunt said something along the lines of, did you just like draw that right now? And it like looked just like the character. So she was like, whoa. So like when she was impressed by it, by my little crayon drawing, I just kind of never stopped drawing. And I drew uh, at least twice a day until I was like 15. Um, And then, of course, high school got a little too hot and I had to drop that down to a few times a week. And then art school got even hotter and made it made me hate drawing so much, (laughs) which is why I left for the sciences for my other passion. Also, like at that when I went to art school, mind you, it was like the early 2000s or yeah, early 2000s. Um, and animators were only making min- uh, minimum wage. And I was like, why am I going to a four year school if I'm only going to make minimum wage after? In hindsight, maybe I should have stuck with it because there has been kind of an animation renaissance in the like mid 2010s. And now animation is like popping again. And animators are like making names for themselves, which was not happening in the early 2000s. Like animation was really hard to get into. And it was also a lot less indie and also a lot lower paying.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually I learned about that through the what oh, god, the oh, god. Uh it's Christy Carlson Romano's and Will Freddy's podcast. Uh, I hear yeah. Voices. Yeah, yeah, they had on like people from WB back in the 90s and they're like, "Guys, we didn't even have a working air vent."
1: Yeah, yeah. And I uh, you know, like I think I just made the decision that I was like, this was at the time where I was starting to learn my self-worth and I was like, "You know what? I'm worth more than minimum wage in like a, a shitty studio that's not going to treat me well." um so then i decided to go into the sciences which didn't treat me a whole lot better considering like natural sciences is pretty heavily dominated by older white men yep um but you know that was just that was just a hurdle i had to go through and at least i was getting compensated for it a little bit better and it helped me save a lot of wildlife in the meantime
0: dreams come true people yeah you know
1: Another reason why I got my license too is because I was very anti Sarah Palin, and she was uh, she she put like a bounty on wolves. Like I don't know if you remember this, but like she I was do. like allowing people to like shoot wolves from helicopters and then return their paws for a bounty of like two hundred and fifty dollars. And then she also made it legal to gas baby bear cubs in their dens. Um, so what I actually you know? right. Yeah, so right after I got licensed, uh, like, freshly after I got licensed, I actually went to Alaska to volunteer with orphaned wolf cubs and uh, bears, too, so.
0: I knew about the helicopter things, oddly enough, because of Twilight, and Kristen Stewart had a whole thing on, like, the interview with that late-night show. about. Yeah,
1: I love Kristen Stewart. She's, like, really, really ahead of her time.
0: Yes, and Charlie's Angels was an excellent movie. I will fight that.
1: I've I've never seen it actually.
0: <laughs> I just rewatched it. That Charlie, new Charlie's Angels movie. Everyone everyone slept on it. We failed, just like Little Mix, um, in America. <laughs> I love Little Mix, but
2: I don't know uh, what that is.
0: That they're a band, uh, or, or oh. on hiatus girl group. But like they already hinted, they like two years will probably be back. Um, I'm like okay, fine, go like take an album break, I guess. Whatever. But so my other question is did you're also a painter and did art school hate make you hate painting Uh, i
1: i i don't think it made me hate painting so much because i only had to paint like for painting class um but it really made me hate the repetitive like drawing animation Mm -hmm. and this was during the time too where everything was switching over to computers and in the early 2000s animation was like very all about that cheap flash animation which i didn't like You know, like I was very traditional, like, you know, like if we're going to go digital, at least let me hand draw it myself and not have a program like make these monkey movements for me. I was very against like making animation more lazy and more cost effective. Like I get why it would need to be more cost effective, but it was ugly. You know, like I I wanted to express myself artistically and you can't do that in flash animation. (laughs) Uh, And at the the time, too, like uh, CGI was still kind of developing and they were all about that, like sensory motion CGI, which just looked bad, in my opinion. I did not like that. Uh, So I also really didn't like the direction that animation was moving in at that time. Little did I know that if I waited like 10 years, it would go back into the direction that I do
0: like. (laughs) It's okay. You're doing excellent with your life right now.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but, you know, sometimes I still think of like, if I just went through with it, would I be like Rebecca Sugar right now with Mittens and
0: Sauerkraut? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have the following. Let's bring it back. That's true. That's true. Man, you know, like... Start your convention tour. <laughs> sure, be a webcomic again. Yeah. Webcomics are really back in. What's it called? Like Webtoons or something like that one website that's green? Look, I don't know. In fact, if you do want to know people, fun enough. uh, So episode four is Tyler. Tyler lives in Boston, by the way, too. Um, (laughs) Tyler's the one that reads all these comics. He sends them to me. I binge it. And then I'm like, why am I reading this? But I think it's like Webtoons whatever. Um, But yeah, back to you, because this is about you, obviously. Uh, And if you want to go listen to Tyler, episode four. You like I to will. backpack through unfamiliar countries. I do. What counts as an unfamiliar country? A country that I have not been to yet. Okay. So you specifically. Got it. Because yes. you never know. Some people are like, oh, it's just like unfamiliar to America or.
1: No. So it's like very specifically a country that I ha- I have not been to or a country that I have not fully explored. So like I've been to Latvia, but I've really only been to like the major cities like uh What is it? Reja? Yeah, something like that. So, but I haven't been beyond it. Oh, but you know, like I think my, one of my best backpacking trips was through Wallachia and Romania. So that was cool.
0: I am in awe of people who could backpack. I think it's one of the most horrifying ideas.
1: (laughs) I love it. So backpacking gets kind of hard for me because like I stuff a lot of rocks in my backpack and then I kind of, Slow myself down, cause <laughs> all of that weight on my back. Uh, so, like now, I've been backpacking primarily through car, like by driving. Um, I have backpacked countries by foot. Uh, I backpacked all of Scotland by foot. Um, wow. I did most of the UK by foot. I did the Jurassic Coast in the UK by foot. Um, and then I also walked from Glasgow to Edinburgh. From Edinburgh, I went down to sicker point near north berwick um, which is where james hutton developed the theory of geology or deep time geological time and then from there i headed into fife fife which is a bit north and then from there i walked all the way to inverness area then all the way up to thurso which is like the tippity top of scotland so that was like a month long of a month-long walking journey how's my next question how long did this take you (laughs) Probably like a month, maybe a month and two weeks and maybe like eh, not two weeks. It was like a month and a week and a half.
0: Huh. And when you specifically go backpacking, are you like fully disconnected from the world or are you like making sure people know you're alive via like a phone?
1: Um, so like I let people know that I'm alive. So like for those of you who don't know, I'm a dad now. So like they have to know when I, where I am and if I'm alive. So uh, when I was backpacking through Canada, which Canada is a familiar country to me, but it's also a very vast country so i had there are many spots in canada i haven't been so i did a fossil hunting like backpacking trip through canada recently um i had to stay connected as best as i could just for the sake of my kids um and then also social media because like you know like once you have a following you have to stay up to date with the algorithm otherwise they punish the hell out of you So, like, you you have to stay connected in some capacity. But when I was in Scotland, I was, like, totally disconnected. I maybe, like, contacted my colleagues and friends maybe, like, once every two weeks or once a week, if that. Uh, Because, like, I also was poor back then because I was a student still. Um, And I had, like, this cheap, like, government phone from the UK, which was shitty. So, you know. I couldn't really be in contact with people <laughs> in remote areas.
0: And it was a different time.
1: It was a different time. It was. That was like, actually, I left Scotland in 2017. So I was there from 2008 oh. to 2017.
0: Okay, well, 2017 might not be like a too distant of time, but. No, no. But yeah, 2008. five years ago. That's Twilight.
1: Oh, it was, wasn't it? I'm not actually a big Twilight fan, but I
0: know enough about it. (laughs) I love Twilight. But no, it's actually, Twilight is one of the things, so here, congrats people, you get to hear my Twilight rant. But I believe Twilight's going to be one of those weird books that's going to make kids read like in 100 years, like in school. Like, oh, The Great Gatsby, look, I'll, I'll be honest, I hate The Great Gatsby, everyone. But, like, people think it's, like, one of the best books from the 20s and era.
1: So, it was actually The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum that got me to start reading, so.
0: Which I be- And that was agreed.
1: published in 1899, so. Yeah. I was born 98 years later.
0: Yeah. And with all that, so I totally believe Twilight's going to be a relic. Also, because Twilight was written... Oh, no,
1: not, no, not... Not 98, 88, 88 years later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> bad math, bad math. It's okay. You gave us so much knowledge, you can make a mistake today. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, Twilight is also a relic of its time because it was like the last major book to not include cell phones because That's it was two thousand. It took place between 2006, like January, to like fall of 2007.
1: You like, know, honestly, what? like, during my mittens and sauerkraut era like having a cell phone would have made that web comic so much more seamless (laughs) just uploading straight from my phone instead of having so okay so when i was doing that webcam comic i had to draw every panel panel by panel and then scan the panel via my scanning of a scan machine panel by panel and then i had to trace it on the computer panel by panel and then
0: color it panel by panel so much easier with these like drawing tablets and yeah, apps. I don't think people understand how slow webcomics got updated back in the day, people. Like, we got, like, a frame a week, and we were mm. all excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Mittens and Sauerkraut was. It was, like, a frame a week.
0: And you still had your following, and look at you mm-hmm. thriving. Yeah, well, okay. now
1: I have a very different following, but
0: besides the point. <laughs> besides the point. So a lot of what we've talked about is stuff so out of my, like, realm of knowledge, but the next part is not. And from here on out, I could actually talk more eloquently, people, on topics I know. So maybe I won't keep screwing up, like, jokes and whatnot. But anyways, next up is... So Fossil Daddy, you put down in your intro form is that you are gay AF. Yes. So let's dive into all that. (laughs) When did you realize that you were such?
1: Mm, Probably when I was, like, two. And I was singing into a hairbrush. Uh, What's it called? Um... Oh, it's a cindy lapa song oh tip Girls of my tongue no no it's like time. no gayer it's way gayer <laughs> way gayer um shit i have it in my phone give me one second i feel like a terrible homosexual
0: right now it's okay i named the two songs i know of cindy lapa already so
1: wait you only know two okay cindy lapa
0: Cindy was not my... I think I'm a bit younger than you.
1: Um, bought, no, that's not it. That's not it. All through the night. God damn it. How was oh, that, that was so hot <laughs> huh? Yeah, that was Cindy Lapa. Oh. Yeah, so I was... Uh, there's actually a home video of me that exists that will never see the light of day on the internet of me in a wig, a Cindy Lapa wig, with a bow. I had, like, a big bow and I'm singing into a hairbrush at like age three or maybe two, and I'm just singing all through the night in it. And then also, there's um, there's also another video of me at like three or four. And have you ever heard of Gem and the Holograms? So it's like yes. a, okay, so like, uh, you know, when Gem's like doing that dance back and forth as she's singing the theme song, like there's a video of me in front of the TV mimicking her movement. So like, I always knew I was gay. I don't know how my family didn't figure it out. So, I don't
0: know. Fun fact, I have very similar home videos.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I think we all do. We all do. And then our like and then when we come out our family is shocked. It's like that's just the millennial experience, I guess.
0: I had the opposite. My family was trying to get me to come out for like 8 years before I did.
1: No, when I came out, I had a very
0: different experience. So, yeah, yeah. No, my experience is very backwards because I was like five and my family was like, it's okay if you're gay. And I was like, I'm not. Moment I realized like it just came out and everyone's like, oh thank God, finally. Mm. But <laughs> I was just like, no, but still, yeah. I was three years old, like ribbon dancing the Barney.
1: I was uh forced to come out when my stepfather found my internet history and called a family meeting about it <laughs> and basically confronted me on the spot. <laughs> so yeah that wasn't a pleasant experience
0: well oh that actually was the next question I was coming out for you so i'm sorry it was <laughs> not it as... was rough but yeah. you know it made me who i am and we like who you are now that's how you ended up here oh, oh, thank you so what advice would you give to those who are trying to figure out their own identity because it's a totally different process these days
1: yeah so like you know when people tell you that it's okay to come out my best advice for you is to believe them, uh, but also come out at your own pace. You know, like it's not about everyone else and their comfort; it's about your comfort. Um, so, if you need to take your time with coming to terms or coming out, take your time. If you don't feel particularly safe coming out, take your time. You know, uh, really develop connections with people who will understand you and will, you know, like. And if you're worried about the people who are going to drop you, um, don't worry about those people because they're not meant to be your people anyway. And I wish that's something I knew when I was younger.
0: That was so eloquent and well thought out. I'm so impressed.
1: Well, yeah, I've given a lot of speeches about this to youth. So <laughs> uh, The youth. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So what is something you'd like to tell the gay community at large?
1: Uh it's okay to be a nerd (laughs) i mean i know like a lot of gay people know that it's okay to be a nerd and it's like the cool thing to be now um but you know like i i think i'm speaking from personal experience and i know my personal experience is not the same as everybody else's but i also struggled with like who i was as a person and i had a hard time embracing the things i loved because i was still trying to figure out my sexuality and it took me a long time to kind of figure out that my sexuality and all, everything else that makes me me can coexist. Um, and I feel like a lot of uh, gay men, particularly our age and older, still have a really hard time with that. Um, you know, like it's just a, it's a generational thing, like generational trauma of being gay yeah. before the 2000s. I'd even say before, even before the 2000, like mid-2010s. Because only in the last few years has it been, like, as socially acceptable as it is.
0: Oh, no, I fully agree. Because I graduated high school, you said 20 years for you. I graduated high school in 2011.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: and even then, that was, like, when Glee was starting.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, um... Uh, I remember when I was graduating high school, like, gay marriage was, like, still a topic of discussion in the state of Massachusetts, and it was highly content uh, contentious, even in this little blue state, you know, like, um, and I-, I remember, like, the d- discussion was so fierce about it that, like, I had to, even though I was forced to come out, like, I still had to kind of keep it to myself just for my own safety, yeah. Like I had to consider my safety at all times, and it was it was scary, honestly, being a gay teenager. Yeah. In the nineties and two thousands.
2: Yep.
0: I can't say it any better than how you did. Yep. Yeah. That's it. So those who are listening, who are of the younger persuasion, uh, I'm not going to say count your blessings, but yeah, because well, like every world. Right, and you know, like
1: uh, I know kids in the South still have like kind of a hard time with it. And in the Midwest or even like Wyoming and um, you know, like it's a very different experience depending where in the country you are. If, assuming you're listening as an American.
0: Yep. And I think that's part of like why my family was so like, Oh my God, just come out because I grew up like five miles from the border in New York city. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Uh,
1: I grew up in like, a very violent neighborhood <laughs> where, you know, like we had games called uh Fireworks and Run. So like if you heard fireworks, you had
0: to go run for cover because those weren't fireworks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other games that you were into back in your youth, ooh, look at the Segway people. I'm proud of that one. Is that you're super into Pokemon, like you said before. Very into Pokemon. So what's your favorite generation?
1: Um, I'm not a Gen 1-er, uh, but, you know, due to... Contrary to popular belief, just because my favorite Pokemon happens to be Kabutops does not mean I am a gen -er. Um, so my favorite Pokemon games, that is a good question. I would probably have to say Hot Gold and Soul Silver. I would even say the original Soul, I mean Silver and Gold, but I think Hot Gold and Soul Silver were like really, as remakes,
0: built upon that foundation and just made them so much better. I've watched a lot of Pokemon playthroughs because I just don't play the games anymore, but Something I have a question then for you is about Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Is Kanto still in it?
1: Yeah, Kanto's still in it.
0: Oh. You know,
1: I think that's what I really loved about Gen Two is because you had two whole regions to explore. Right. Whereas all of the new regions, like once you're done with the main game, there's really not a whole lot to do after. Like even the post, like the post game for her, Sword and Shield was abysmal. It was terrible. Horrible. Like those, two, like the sword here and the shield here. Like I just wanted to burn them. Like, I don't know, sorry. Like, I know that's a bit graphic and violent, but yeah, I wanted to like throw them in a pitch fire.
0: Yeah, no, I, so for me, my Pokemon journey is I stopped playing after Gen 3
2: Hmm. and
0: then I wanted Galarian Ponyta.
2: Oh. (laughs) So
0: I got Shield and then I did not like Shield at all. But also this new gen that's about to come out, I'm like, you know, damn it, are you pulling me back in?
2: Crap.
1: Yeah. So this new gen, I have high hopes for, but I'm also like, I, I know Game Freak. You know, they're, they're very, uh, they very seldom want to push the boundary and make something entirely brand new. So like, I'm, I have hopes, but I also don't want to give those hopes up. So we'll see how it plays out.
0: Are you team keeps Brigato on four legs?
1: Uh, so I plan on going with Fue Coco. So I really don't have an opinion on that.
0: Okay, uh I want to go with Quaxly if I do play it. Yeah,
1: Quaxly, like the little gay Donald Duck, love him.
2: I was just saying, but say, Fue yeah.
1: Coco, Fue Coco, really captured my soul. So I traditionally I have always started with a water type, but this is like the first generation where I think I'm actually going to start with a fire.
2: Squirtle hey. was my
1: very first Pokemon, and I named it Bitch. Because awesome. you could name Pokemon in the Game Boy like any cuss word you wanted. So I had bitch, I had fuck, I had shit. um, And yeah, like in hindsight, that was not very mature. <laughs>
0: it's okay. We were not a yeah, big
1: age. I was back 12. Then. Yeah, I was 11 or 12.
0: Wow. You are older than me. I thought you were younger. A lot
1: of people say that. Yeah, I get that a
0: lot. Yeah. Nah, so I'm like a 93 baby, everyone. So. No, I'm an 80s baby. Yeah. So I was like, what, like four or five when Pokemon finally came out? But Really? they decided, Yeah. The tr- true generation of like Pokemon was like, true, true, true childhood where you could yeah. finally conceptualize it all.
1: Yeah, no, I remember the Berlin Wall falling in
0: 1989. Wow. I didn't realize it was that close to me. Uh-huh. Wow, <laughs> oh, see people. I actually have a piece of it, too. Oh, that's also very on brand yes another relic of history and not a natural fossil but still yeah
1: remnant of human past so that's more the realm of archaeology even though it's very recent but still
0: yeah uh but okay so back to pokemon uh so your favorite generation is like gen 2 and its remake mine was Hoenn. yeah but what's your favorite type even oh. though you kind of said it
1: uh rock type or the rock water duels and i also really have a really particular fondness for fairy types only because of Clefairy being my favorite non-fossil Pokemon.
2: Oh.
0: So, great, you like me. Because for those who know me, um, many, many years ago, people have decided that my Pokemon type is Water Fairy. Adorable. Thanks. And I was like, oh, what is a Water Fairy? Primarina. Oh, yeah, I see it. Uh, (laughs) So, look at us, compatibly friends. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that was the next question. If you were to be a type, what Pokemon type would you be? Rock,
1: water. Um, I would be a rock and water Pokemon.
0: Yeah. And so what would be your ideal six Pokemon team?
1: Ooh, okay. So like uh, Tyrantum, my shiny Tyrantum, Uh, my shiny Kabutops, my shiny Archeops. Uh, what is it called? Archeops? Shit. Okay. So it's based off of Archaeopteryx. Uh, Then I've got my shiny Cranidos and my shiny Bastiodon. I think that's five. And then my shiny Aerodactyl. So like I I went through rigorous um, Masuda method breeding to get all of these Pokemon in their shiny forms. And they are my main team and have been in my main team since Generation 7. So actually Kabuto, or my first shiny ever was my shiny Kabuto. He's been with me since uh, Hot Gold and then i've just been gradually collecting all of the shiny fossils and they are my main team that i still use
0: and you have art of you with all of them right
1: yeah i have like a lot of uh fan art with them
0: yeah i i did not find that fan art until after i asked this question so <laughs>
1: yeah i have uh quite a bit of fan at that
0: team uh and so this is, like, very sacrilegious for me to ask, but I want to ask you, why is Pokemon better than Digimon?
1: Oh, oh, that's not fair. Um, so I do love Digimon. Uh, the American opening is really a bop. Oh, my God. I fucking love it. <laughs> I love Digimon. But I will say Pokemon is better because it really withstood the test of time and is still relevant. Um. And it also draws more inspiration from the natural world than Digimon did, which, you know, as a natural scientist, just pulls me in.
0: Yeah. Uh, For those who've listened long enough to this podcast, everyone on Earth knows I am like one of the last dying Digimon fandom diehards. Love Digimon, and we're holding out for a comeback. But I'll be honest. It'll happen.
1: I I think it'll happen.
0: It will happen, but I don't think it's ever going to over get the power of Pokemon did. And for those who didn't see it, uh, I have a Patamon plushie that I actually used to like block sound and what's it called? 3D printed Digi Egg of Hope. But on the other side, I also use my Vaporeon to like sound block. So (laughs) which, oh yeah, what's your favorite Eevee?
1: Sylveon because, you know, fairy types. (laughs) Also trans rights.
0: Period
2: mm-hmm
0: so we move on from pokemon we, that's i'm still stuck on me having to say pokemon's better than digimon i do not believe that world but whatever you're a bostonian and is that actually how yes. you say it because i hear like everyone fight about like how to say you're from boston
1: boston that's how i say it from boston
0: yeah no yeah that's how my family says i mean like what you call yourselves like a new yorker is pretty much in general life. oh i
1: think a bostonian i guess
0: yeah I don't know. I never really thought about it that hard. So
1: I actually come from a city called Brockton, which is not far from Boston. Um very violent city. It's still a very violent city. But hey, that's my hood. That's my hometown and I will always love it in some regard, <laughs> even though right. I'm afraid to go back there sometimes.
0: And if you ever want So to- I was
1: like, I was driving like- through there recently and there was like a shootout like right and like in the car in front of me so i was like okay i gotta like not come back here for a while
0: yeah um if you do want to know about it more safely everyone go read mittens and sauerkraut
1: oh my god i can't believe it's still up after all these years
0: honestly i don't know i didn't click long enough to see if the whole thing is there but there was a description so hey okay so
1: probably all that survived Mary <laughs> Nativity is also the name of the main
0: character <laughs> um, so oh, back to Boston stuff is where do you recommend people go for seafood I
1: don't like seafood so no way <sighs> but you know if you're gonna go for seafood I guess go to Cape Cod go to Plymouth they have like a lot of seafood restaurants that I don't go to
0: <laughs> is that because you don't like the taste or because you're so in tuned with nature that you refuse to eat fishy friends
1: uh, f- yeah, they're fishy friends. Uh, I don't eat
0: meat, actually. Oh, okay. So, do you have a recommendation for people to go for Italian food?
1: Um, I do, but I forget the name of it. It's in the north end of Boston. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, because I haven't been there in, in so long. Like, I very seldom eat out. Um north end Italian restaurant. I have it saved in my phone. It is called that is not it. Uh... It is called Jesus, where the hell is it? I thought I had it saved, but I don't. <laughs> oh Nico, Nico Restaurante.
0: I might have been there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they're good. That's awesome. Uh, What are surprising things people don't know about Boston that you think they should?
1: Um, (laughs) uh, We're friendlier than we appear. Like, we're all assholes, but we're friendly assholes. Um, You know, honestly, I don't know. I don't spend a whole lot of time in Boston anymore.
0: I can validate your statement, though. I've never met a mean Bostonian.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, we have a reputation for being real assholes, but, you know, like, we're friendly assholes, and we mean well.
0: I don't know. Yeah, so, like, uh,
1: I would have had, like, a better answer about Boston if I, like, thought about it ahead of time, but, like, I don't know. It's been, like, a few months since I've actually ventured into Boston for anything extracurricular, so... Oh, really great gay scene on the south end. Okay. But also really not really a great gay scene when it comes to, like, clubs and bars. There are some, like, gay bars and stuff, but not really a great scene overall. There are better cities to go to.
0: Okay. And speaking of the scene, I know it's not in Boston itself, but it's basically there. How's P-Town?
1: Oh, P-Town. So I haven't been for, like, five years, but it is a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and of course you're like right on the ocean so the last time i went i was actually transporting spadefoot toad colonies so i didn't really actually get to go into the town i just kind of went to the vernal pools near the town and released some wild spadefoot toads to re uh, sustain their population and uh yeah but the town itself is really fun i actually avoided it for a while because i did have a fiance that i met in scotland and we went there and uh, that's also inevitably where we broke up. So. <laughs> so I avoided it for a few years, but I'm over it now. So, like, I'm ready to go back and experience it.
0: Well, you might see Tyler then. Uh, that's how I know everything about Pete house, because Tyler goes and he reports back.
1: <laughs> oh, he does? Does he live yeah. there?
0: No, he lives in somewhere in Boston. I should not say it here. Uh- <laughs> yeah, probably there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... There ended the main question portion, even though I learned so much about you like in the pre-chat beforehand and people keep following Fossil Daddy because like he has so much shit about him that is just fascinating and little by little, we'll learn bits and bits and cool new fascinating things.
1: <laughs> well, I hope so. Like uh, I try to make my platform all about learning and if you learn something about me, I guess that's just an extra bonus.
0: <laughs> hey All right, so real fast before we get into the rapid-fire questions is commercial Mm. time. Ding, ding. So because Fossil Daddy over here is a geek, we're going to go with the Geek Therapeutics program. So Geek Therapeutics wants you to feel like the superhero who defeated the villain in your favorite comic book. Imagine what it's like to be in an anime character's shoes. Feel proud during the moment or instant you raised your hands and arms in victory after conquering a Dungeons & Dragons quest. And cherish the moment you hugged your teammates after winning an eSports tournament. They want you to use geek culture and all its artifacts, such as video games, anime, fan fiction, comic books, pop culture, esports, and tabletop RPGs to unlock the best version of yourself and others. All their stuff is approved by the American Psychological Association, ACE, NBCC for their trainings and certifications, which for those who don't know, like basically if you're working in mental health, their official licensing board has approved everything and they just keep coming out with more things I've never heard of. So like NBCC's social workers... Like they just got play therapy and <clears throat> all these things, people, you can check them at geektherapeutics.com link in the bio show notes, whatever it's called and use the special link to in the description to subscribe and to their awesome content and begin to learn how to mix the wonder of fun with bettering humanity. And if you have any questions, please reach out because I am more than qualified to answer them. Boom. There I ended the commercial. Back to Fossil Daddy. So, you ready for these rapid-fire questions? I think so. Uh, We'll see. Question number one. What are your chosen coping skills?
1: Oh, um, eating.
0: So, because even though you are a vegetarian, don't eat meat, what do you eat?
1: Cheez-Its. That's my go-to.
0: Plain Cheez-Its are extra toasty. Or one of the other flavors. Plain. Number two, Team Edward or Jacob?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Jacob because he's Native
0: American. Which direction should you cut your sandwich? Uh, Diagonal. What direction should you fold your napkins? I don't fold napkins. I just have them (laughs) apart. what gift would you want to get from a fairy
1: from a fairy yeah ah some fairy ass um actually no i would probably like magic gift like anything
0: you interpret the question as you wish
1: okay i don't know like a dope ass outfit cinderella you know just one click and i look good
0: wow very wizard of oz too
1: yeah, give me those, yeah, ruby slippers, silver slippers, actually. They were silver in the book.
0: True, they were. Oh, have you read all the books?
1: I have, every single one of them.
0: Oh my god, there's so many of them. hmm <laughs> That's really admirable, actually.
1: Yes, I even have Wizard of Oz-themed um, bookends for my Wizard of Oz book collection, and it's, like, accurate from the source. Like, silver shoes, blonde little Dorothy with the curls,
0: So does that mean you're a fan of the movie and or Wicked?
1: Uh, So like Wicked, the play I like. I've not seen the movie.
0: Oh, I meant the Wizard of Oz movie.
1: Oh, the Wizard of Oz movie. Yes, I love it. I do. Even though it's really inaccurate and completely like almost a different story. But like there are elements that remain. But like Wicked Witch of the West was not the main antagonist. She was like a very small part in the book.
0: Yeah. Uh, Have you read the Wicked books?
1: no i've not
0: okay i actually really liked the wicked books but it was nothing like the play
1: no yeah so i've heard
0: yeah the play is good too though um but back to the questions okay left or right twix
1: left or right what
0: twix like the candy
1: oh the chocolate i don't like chocolate actually so neither
0: what the, what's a trend that went too far
1: um you know probably faking um uh, mental disorders on tiktok <laughs> that one really drives me nuts
0: i forgot that happened um <laughs> it still
1: happens it still happens it's still very much a thing
0: oh drives me insane people please go get properly diagnosed self-diagnosing is a great start go get it legitimized please um sorry i'm trying to figure out where okay here we are oh who would play you in a documentary and or movie about your life oh
1: that's a good question um tina Fey.
0: what would the genre be
1: Uh whimsical sci-fi sci-fi? I don't know. I don't know what it would be, actually. It wouldn't be history. <laughs> it would probably be like comedic sci-fi. <laughs>
0: okay. And then Oh, wait, no, not that. Okay, sorry. I'm it's so hard to keep up track of all the tabs I have to keep. Or up you training. know what?
1: Actually, my my movie would be purely animated and I would also be voiced by Nancy right. <laughs>
0: awesome uh if you stick to the status quo which click would you be in which what click click oh like a high school click yeah
1: um well i've always been pretty anti-click you know what i want to be friends with the pretty girls you know like the bitchy mean girls just you know like i want to I just want to, like, study their itty-bitty thoughts and migration patterns, you know. Just, like, kind of get to know, like, what makes them tick. Well, that's
0: Very why. sociological of you. Yes. So, that's what clique would you be in? What clique should you be in?
1: The goth clique. So, like, people don't know this, but I was kind of a goth.
0: That's exciting, actually. And they were
1: my people. Like, and, you know, I'm still friends with some of them, too, so...
0: But sadly, we must change as the world does. Uh, Oh, we're actually at the last one. So, if your life was a jukebox musical, do you know what that is? Kind of. Okay, it's a musical that uses, like, songs you that are pre-written in the world and known. Oh, okay. Yeah. If your life was a jukebox musical, what would be the opening song?
1: Oh,
0: okay. That is
1: a good question. Um... Man, oh wow, uh, man, that is a good question. I, I, um, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane,
0: you heard it here first. Everyone, Fossil Daddy's movie is going to start with White Rabbit being sung by Nancy Cartwright, animated as him. Yes, oh, yeah, I like
1: that. <laughs> well, she, would, what- she would, she would, she would. Kill that song in the best way possible.
0: And that is why I ask these questions in that order, because then you start realizing, oh my god, I literally just made like a whole movie opening with you. And
1: okay, now we're gonna like contact Nancy Catwright and also get her out of the church of Scientology.
0: Oh my god, she's a Scientologist.
1: She is, yeah.
0: She's
1: like not she's like a lot more low-key than like Tom Cruise, but she's still in it.
0: Well, <laughs> All right. So there ended the rapid fire question portion. Congrats, Fossil Daddy. You did it. Uh, you survived. So while you have the world listening to you, even though you talk to them every day in your own social media, is there anything you'd like to tell them?
1: Uh yes, you are enough. Period. Period. Yeah. With a T.
0: Period. Ot you know what? Pure. Yeah. Yeah. Pure. So where can people find you if they're so enticed by how cool you are?
1: Uh, So you can watch movies with me every Monday night. We watch really obscure Uh, dinosaur movies or natural history or natural disaster films, really obscure ones, on Twitch. You can find me at Fossil Daddy on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Fossil Daddy. You can also find me on Twitter where I'm pretty active at Fossil Daddy. You can also find me on Instagram where I'm pretty active at Fossil Daddy. You can also find me on Facebook at Fossil Daddy. (laughs) You can also find me on... Did I say Instagram? Yeah. Instagram at Fossil Daddy. Um, and also YouTube, which I only have one video up right now, but I do plan on changing that.
0: Oh, that's super cool.
1: You can find me on everything, basically.
0: As At Fossil, Fossil Daddy. Daddy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight.
1: It was a pleasure being here. This was
0: fun. And are you verified on things?
1: Uh, No, I'm not let's work on that
0: i was about to say people are trying to figure it out but like we have other episodes where people think this might count as one of the interviews you need oh really yeah because it is an interview technically of you it's just not in written format i mean
1: i was interviewed by (laughs) fucking what's it called the daily mail in fucking the uk which is like a Fox News tabloid type thing in the UK so I'm not proud of that but and I wasn't even directly interviewed by them they took segments from another interview I did and then wrote it as if they interviewed me so like that was upsetting wow. kind of like and they also took it out of context to kind of push an anti-gay agenda against the movie Ammonite starring Kate Winslet which I was there for filming and I did have a problem with them uh, like making her like a lesbian in the film because we really don't know what um what her sexuality is and i f- i like my whole thing was that i thought she was an interesting enough person like in the world of paleontology to base the movie off of that and not just her sexuality to gay bait and the way they worded it made it sound really
0: anti-gay
1: <laughs> so i was not happy about that
0: you heard it here people fossil daddy cleared his name
1: yes yes So, like, people still find me on that article, and they're like, why did you say them? Like, I didn't say that. They just kind of, like, took it out of context for another interview that I gave.
0: (laughs) Well, again, the fact that you've been interviewed so much, you're getting all these awesome followers and stuff. Thank you for joining us on this humble little show. thank you for having me. (laughs) Appreciate Um, it. So, all you pebble bottoms and satellites, that's our fandom name. (laughs) Catch us next like Orbit, it. because I'll love it if you stick around and catch up the next cool person I rope into coming on the show. So, uh, yeah. Bye, world. See you next time. Bye. Nice to meet you.